Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Here's Johnny. This is Simon Rose. I'm now about to talk to James Cameron Wilson as we discuss the business of film. Uh, So, James, how does it look in the UK? What's the box office like? Well, it is not great. It's down another 25.8% from the previous weekend, although there are four new titles in the top 10. At my local multiplex, there was only one new film, which was Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. So (laughs) I, I had no choice but to go and see that, which I will be talking about shortly. So it's not looking good, but I'm hoping with Steven Spielberg's new film arriving in cinemas on Friday, that the following week things will look a little peachier. I am, of course, talking about West Side Story, which I was so looking forward to last year. And that was put back because of um, the pandemic. And now they're threatening blizzards in this part of the country. So we will see. We will see. I thought we were through the storms. Well, let's hope you've managed to, to get there. I thought we'd booked, but apparently it turns out that the booking was not that far ahead. So I don't actually know if we already have our seats or not. Um, but I've seen five-star reviews of it. So let us hope it is worthwhile. As I know you've been... You, t- trouble is, the, the more you look forward to something, the more chance it. there is you're going to be disappointed. This is it. But hey, I mean, Steven Spielberg is probably the greatest storyteller on screen today. Yes. And Steven Sondheim, who wrote the lyrics was the greatest songwriter in musical theatre ever. So I have, I have huge expectations. Yes. I saw a review that said, it started off very well, and it said it is Spielberg's greatest film in 20 years since. And then he said, since AI. But I didn't really find AI that exciting a movie. So I wondered, therefore, if I would agree with the reviewer. But we shall find out for ourselves in due course. So what is top of the UK box office? Well, this is a film by one of my favourite directors who I'm actually losing interest in, Sir Ridley Scott, because I was disappointed by The Last Duel. And I thought House of Gucci was very, very bad. It was at number one. It's still at number one. I think the the name Lady Gaga and indeed the name Gucci is what is what drawing people into the cinema to see this. It made one and a half million pounds down 38 percent, which is not bad considering how many of the titles have dropped with a total of five point six million pounds sterling. At number two, we've got Encanto, which was at number three. Again, I was disappointed by this at Disney's 60th animated feature, which was down only 26%. I I think when the holidays come, it will actually hold its own. It made £1.3 million last weekend 
and it now has a total of 3.3 million. Number three, we've got Ghostbusters Afterlife, which was at number two. It made 1.1 million pounds last weekend, down 49%. At number four, we have a new title, which I haven't seen, Christmas with Andre, which of course is Andre Rio's um, annual Christmas concert, which is always very, very popular, as you know. Hmm. At number five, we've got Eternals, which was at number four, down 46%, with a total of 14.5 million pounds which is not to be sniffed at. Number six, No Time to Die slips another place, down 45%, but it does have £96 million in the bank. And as I said last week, it's now overtaken Spectre, but it's still got a few million to go before it reaches Skyfall, which I believe made £103 million. We have a new film at seven, Boxing Day, directed and written by and starring the London-born Amal Amin. It's a sort of meets-the-parents scenario, meets happiest season, meets guess who's coming to dinner, meets get out, meets I'm thinking of ending things, in which an English writer brings his American fiancé to meet his Anglo-Caribbean family in London. Now, this had a site average of only £602 and a total of 265000 It's not even listed on Wikipedia, this film. And I've been bombarded with trailers at my local view for this film, and I was quite looking forward to it. It looked quite fun, but uh, it hasn't had a lot of... Uh, publicity elsewhere it's also odd i mean you have american connections so you will know i I think i'm right the boxing day means nothing of course to americans well as i say he uh, the director and the writer and the star is british and it's set in london but i think it's a a part of those films like uh, new year's day and so many of those films yes thanksgiving um yes seasonal holiday films Yes. But what I number was that seen, in the chart? Uh, that was at number seven. Right. Uh, with just uh, 265,000. At number eight, we have Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. Now, I have a terrible confession to make, Simon. I haven't seen any of the Resident Evil films. <laughs> you are forgiven. You know, you know how I like horror films, so I can't, I can't uh, really attack you for that, James. Well, I haven't even seen the last one, the final chapter, released almost five years ago. But as this is a reboot of the series based on the video game from our friends at Capcom, this didn't seem to pose a problem being a reboot. Mm. And so we have the town of Raccoon City, former home to the pharmaceutical giant, the Umbrella Corporation, which has now moved to fields anew. And so the town has descended into disrepair, unemployment, and only the police station, with its large underground car park and access to helicopters, seemingly able to thrive. Well, we all know about pharmaceutical companies and the iniquitous activities they practice. And sure enough, strange things start to emerge at night, while the residents, not all of them evil, start losing their hair and to bleed from their eyeballs. Now, besides the well-appointed police station, 
The film's main setting is the Raccoon City Orphanage, where we first meet our protagonist, Claire, as a young girl. She is having nightmares, or rather seeing deformed creatures that come to visit her in the night, albeit with no apparent malicious agenda. This one particular misshapen creature just seems to be lonely and feeling sorry for itself. Then Claire is taken from her dormitory, leaving behind her brother Chris, ostensibly to be rehomed. But Claire knows better, and she escapes into the night. This is the mandatory prologue. Mm -hmm. We then jump forward to the year 1998, where Raccoon City is on its last legs, and Claire returns as a fully grown adult, played by Kaya Scodelario, the West Sussex-born actress who previously played Catherine Earnshaw in Andrea Arnold's version of Wuthering Heights. Now, I will say this for Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City. The young actress who played Claire as a child, Lily Gale Reed, really does look like Kaya Scodelario. Mm. Uh, good move, I thought. Kaya Scodelario, who we last saw in the highly accomplished thriller Crawl, which I loved. She is a very fine actress, but what we don't know is where Claire has been in the intervening years. Other than having picked up some rather useful skills, such as riding a motorbike, shooting some high-caliber firearms, and being able to pick a lock in two seconds. Quite where she's been, or what she's been up to, is not revealed, or I completely missed it, or I failed to see the previous six Resident Evil films. Now, there are good zombie films and bad zombie films. <laughs> and I have to say that Welcome to Raccoon is an excellent example of how not to make one. Just because we're talking about unethical pharmaceutical companies and the undead doesn't mean that every character besides Claire has to behave like a zombie. The entire department of the Raccoon City Police Force appear suspiciously athletic and strikingly good-looking, which adds a sort of Channel 5 veneer to the whole thing. I'm sorry, I really am, but real police officers are not so well turned out as the Cohen brothers could tell you, or any American resident of a backwater town. No offence, but I've always found such upholders of the law in the U.S., extremely friendly, courteous, and overweight. The cops in this movie are also very silly, have no peripheral vision, <laughs> and just don't seem to know what's going on, in spite of all the tale-tale signs. This is the sort of movie where vehicles explode on impact. Oh, have yeah. you ever been in a car crash? Uh, well, not one severe enough to even know that, but I do. I have read, amongst many things the movies tell us that turn out not to be true, is that the majority of vehicles will not explode in a car crash. Precisely. Thank you. And apart from all the predictable jump scares, the hackneyed musical score and the laughable gore, the film could hardly be worse. Mm. And I suspect, judging by the scene snuck in the middle of the closing credits, that this will not be the last in the franchise. But what do I know? The film has been praised for its loyalty to the, to the video game, which I didn't realise was necessarily a good thing. <laughs> no. Well, we, we, James, on a more exalted level, we often talk about whether some films are too follow books 
that are much loved too closely. And that often works to the detriment of the movie. I, I guess the same thing more. applies, I guess in the same players applies to um, to uh, video game adaptations. Let's just briefly uh, take a pause for breath, please. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Simon Rose. I'm in conversation with James Cameron Wilson as we discuss the business of film. So, James, we haven't quite finished the chart, have we? We have not quite. Now, having embarrassed myself, having said that I've never seen a Resident Evil film and have no intention of seeing another one, I cannot actually pronounce the film at number 10. <laughs> oh, I've missed Dune. Sorry, Dune is down 42%. was at right. number six. But at number 10, we have a new film. And really, I cannot pronounce the title. It's Polish, but the translation is Girls from Dubai. It's directed by the Polish pop singer Maria Sadowska. Mm. It's a Polish drama based apparently on real events set in the glitzy world of escorts and celebrity, given an 18 certificate for its strong sex and sexual violence. Um, it's interesting that pop stars are beginning to direct films. Of course, there was Sia, who directed music with Kate Hudson, which yes, is terrible discussing that. Yes, But of course, Madonna directed W.E. with Andrea Risborough. Mm. Or Riseborough. I'm just trying to think, well, have there been any other films directed by pop stars? Not that uh, I know Maria Sadowska, but I wouldn't um, be surprised if Billie Eilish had a go. I'm trying to think. Well, I'll leave that with you. But, yes. Well, having said that, the film at number 15, which was only at 134 cinemas, with a weekend total of just over £106,000, is Come On, Come On, starring Joaquin Phoenix, which I believe you have seen. I did see it. Very rare I get to see a film before you. But yes, um, written directed by Mike Mills, I mean, which intrigued me because he made that wonderful film, Beginners, about uh, 10 or 11 years ago with um, Christopher Plummer and um, Ewan McGregor. And... Um, it's, it's black and white. It's filmed beautifully um, by uh, cinematographer Robert, Robbie Ryan, who did American Honey in Academy Ratio, which is quite unusual. Um, and it's essentially just about uh, uh, Joachim Phoenix, who's a radio journalist who has to look after his nephew for a while because his uh, uh, I think he's about 11 years old. His, his mother is having to look after his father, who has some, uh, some form of bipolar uh, disorder. Um, it's a very charming film. It's beautifully filmed. Uh, there were some shots um, near New Orleans, which were just to, to, to die for. Uh, the problem I had with it, I think, is that because I knew very little about it, and because it starred Joaquin Phoenix, and because of some of his other roles, I was terrified it was going to turn into something nasty the whole time. <laughs> and I think, although we often talk about how it nice is to go to a film without any preconceptions, I would just say, if anybody's thinking of going to this, it's not going to turn into something nasty. It's a very charming film about an uncle getting to know his, his, his nephew. Um, okay. So it's a little slight, but it's very beautiful. And uh, there are some laughs along the way. I just sort of wish I'd been able to relax 
earlier because there are moments where you think something awful is going to happen just because it's working Phoenix. Um, Gabby Hoffman plays the mother who it took me ages to realize that I'd seen her before because of course she was in so many films when she was young. Um, she was a child in, star, yes. I think I thought Buck Sleepers in Seattle, Field of Dreams, Field, Field of Dreams, absolutely. Yes. I've always liked Mike Mills, the director, since uh, Thumbsucker, which I thought was amazing. Oh, which I don't think I've ever seen. No, I must seek it out then, clearly. Um, James. But anyway, I, I was in Cambridge. Cambridge perhaps has slightly more arty films than some other places. Not incredibly full auditorium, but it was nice to be to be out again. You saw it in Cambridge? I did. God, I did. okay. Um, yes, I doubt very much that the multiplex near me in London would, would be showing it. But in Cambridge, no, of course, no. vague arty. But students had already disappeared, so um, that would, might be why it wasn't terribly well. Um, attended. Uh, but you have some other stuff for us, don't you? Yes, I do. This week I had the great privilege of watching three Blu-ray discs released by Eureka Entertainment as part of their Masters of Cinema series. The first two films I watched actually had the same title, The Love of Jeanne Ney, but were different versions of the same feature, both directed by G.W. Pabst. The Austrian maestro remains best known today for his 1929 masterpiece. What? Okay, yes, thank you. Yes, Pandora's yes, Box. Yes, which yes. Sorry, I, 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 thought you, I thought you were... It was a quiz for a moment. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. Well, I've seen many with... years ago, but not for a long time. However, two years before that, he directed The Love of Jeanne Ney from the Soviet novel by Ilya Ehrenberg. Available for the first time in the UK, it remains an immersive experience, even 94 years after it was first released. Pabst employs different cinematic styles to tell his romantic melodrama, drawing on German expressionism, Soviet montage, and a bit of the old Hollywood feel-good factor, which is probably the movie's greatest weakness. The most famous foreign silent of 1927 was René Clair's The Italian Straw Hat, while the love of Jeanne Ney has been rarely seen. So to revisit this epic tale of passion, greed and deception is more than a major treat. Although officially a German production, it is predominantly filmed in Paris. And with the remarkable restoration, it is amazing to see the manic bustling streets of the French capital, as it was then, mm. with its markets and its trams and milling crowds, not to mention the traffic. In fact, the film feels surprisingly modern, with every new edition of a sensational headline seen rushed off the presses and typewriters and telephones proving to be common accessories. Almost a hundred years ago, the action is set as the Civil War in Russia heats up following the revolution and our eponymous heroine, a member of the French middle classes, has fallen for the dashing communist Andreas Labov. Jean's father is a diplomat who has been double-crossed by the odious Kalibiev and is killed by Andreas' colleague. Nonetheless, Jeanne forgives Andreas and she flees to Paris before the Bolsheviks take over the town. Now orphaned and penniless, she takes up a secretarial post with her uncle, a private detective and racketeer, and the Ebenezer Scrooge of France. However, Jeanne befriends the man's daughter, 
Gabrielle, played by Brigitte Helm, who is oh, yes. blind. Indeed, yes, it was yes. great to see her again. Yeah. Uh, she, she's blind, but she can see an imposter a mile off. Then the action hots up the arrival in Paris of Andreas and the duplicitous Kalibiev, the latter one of the most repellent connivers and scoundrels of silent cinema. He is an unscrupulous villain who will stoop at nothing to achieve his immoral ways and is portrayed by the magnificent German actor Fritz Rasp, who went on to play an assortment of villains for half a century, dying at the age of 85, having made his last film, Lina Brake, in 1975, which was released over here and got very good reviews. Now, acting styles obviously have changed since 1927, and one has to go along with some of the bug-eyed histrionics in the film, much as one accepts the melodramatics of, of opera. Now, two versions of the film were shot simultaneously, one negative being released in Europe and one in the US, and both editions are preserved on this historic Blu-ray, complete with different scores. I preferred the American version, whose music is more lush and romantic and which seems to be longer. I then found myself playing scenes back to back to see if I could actually spot the difference yes. from one to <laughs> the other. In the, European, in the European print, there's a broken mirror on the wall next to Kalibiev's room. In the American version, you actually see how the mirror gets broken. In fact, it would be a great parlor game to show a scene from each negative and to get onlookers to spot the difference. It had me enthralled for hours. It's extraordinary to see a city one is so familiar with, like Paris, teeming with people that you know are all dead, particularly mm. as so many of the characters seem to be smoking. It's like witnessing a host of phantoms. And needless to say, there's an additional exemplary video essay with the Blu-ray, which seems standard for the Masters of Cinema series, making one appreciate even more the honour of seeing this historical rarity plucked from oblivion. This is the love of, of Jeanne Ney. Ney, yeah, N-E-Y. From, um, 1927. Yes, I mean, there often is a, a, a slight problem, I know, with, with watching films of that era, of the silent era, particularly, is that you know, everything was signalled. But it was, of course, the last period in which, in which films could be seen by everybody around the world at one, because you didn't need to... Um, all you needed to do was change the subtitles. Yeah, yeah, the intertitles, um, as they were called, yeah. Oh, intertitles. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's quite extraordinary. I mean, my, I suppose my favourite film of that period probably is is still Napoleon, um, which is... Um, fantastic. Yes, but, uh, but I have seen several silent films. The ones I see in the cinema, preferably with the live orchestra, are always much vastly superior to watching at home on, on telly. They just seem to more of a sense of occasion. I think Show People with uh, Marion Davies was one that I, I thought was absolutely fantastic. Um, you suddenly realise that her relationship with, with um, William Randolph Hearst might actually have really put an end to a very promising comedy actress career. Uh, well, I expect you have seen the second of my DVD releases. Oh, right. There's another one, James. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have been talking so much because we have to have much time. No, which is the second, please? Well, this is the third film from Eureka Entertainment this week and the one and only champion starring Kirk Douglas. I grew up in the knowledge that this was the great boxing film, but that was before Rocky came along in 1976, hmm. let alone Raging Bull four years later, or even Halle Berry's Bruised 
which mm. premiered on Netflix just two weeks ago. All of which to say, boxing films have come a long way since 1949, mm. um, as has the choreography of the fight sequences. But Champion, directed by Mark Robson, is as much a slice of film noir as it is a boxing film. And I think it succeeds better as the former. I won't tell you the story, but what's interesting is that Kirk Douglas, this was his big break, was playing an unsympathetic character. And it was the first time he got an Oscar nomination out of three. Um, even so, we know Douglas died last year at the age of 103. And he was the last cast member of Champion to do so. I couldn't help. There is a sequence uh, which I think today would be classed as sexual assault, which I found quite hard to watch, particularly in light of the recent allegations directed at Douglas by Lana Wood, mm. Natalie Wood's sister. Uh, I did find that hard. But um, the film, in, it, it is beautifully remastered, uh, beautiful print, is available on Blu-ray from this week. And Arthur Kennedy is also very good. He plays the Lillian character's crippled brother. And as I say, I think it works better as film noir, act, actually, than as a, a boxing film. James, thank you very much indeed. Um, that is, and then what's the, the full title is The One and Only Champion? Uh, just oh, Champion. Just Champion, sorry. Okay, just it's champion, not a film yeah. I think I have seen. So, oh, really? For okay. me, something for I noticed me it wasn't in your book of classic movies. No, and I, I don't feel I've ever seen it. So perhaps oh, I need well, to rectify that. James, sadly, as ever, we're out of time. Uh, but James Cameron will also be back with more of the business of film at the same time next week. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Houston, we have a problem. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? 